and welcome to this week's episode of Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro. It's the podcast and video series that features award-winning financial planner Margarita Chang, who shines a spotlight on experts around the country who help us flex our financial muscles. I'm Hope Katz Gibbs, producer of the show on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to today's guest college funding specialist, Brad Baldridge. Today's topic is the top 10 college planning mistakes that people make and how to avoid them. Before Rita gets the conversation started, let me tell you a little bit about Brad. He is obviously a college funding specialist and he has helped thousands of families plan and save for college with smart and proven strategies to save time, money, and stress. He has been sharing his college planning insights for the last 20 years. So clearly, Brad, you are an expert, and we are so excited to hear what you have to say. So take it away, Rita. Well, thank you, Hope. And Brad, we are so excited to have you because this is a topic near and dear to my heart. I have three kids, (laughs) and um, I just, of course, you're going to share the um, strategies and the mistakes. But before we get into it, I think it'd be helpful for viewers and listeners uh, to know a little bit about your story, meaning how did you get into this work of helping families with college? Yeah. So I've been a financial advisor since the 90s, and I got involved with college planning as it became a bigger problem for my clients. Way back when I went to college, it wasn't all that expensive, and you could maybe swing it. But every year, it got more and more expensive, and it became a bigger problem just in the general financial planning of how are we going to pay for all this? And the more I dug into it, the more I realized that there was a lot of things you could do with the various aid and there was just a lot of different strategies, but most people didn't understand how it worked. So I started specializing in it and I did a number of presentations at high schools and that kind of thing. And that just took off from there because it's, you know, it's a challenge that many parents have obviously, and there's not a lot of good information out there. So that's kind of how I got started. And then, of course, now I actually have two kids in college myself and one in high school. So I'm starting to eat my own cooking, as they say. I love it. So if you don't mind, I guess you're going to share the mistakes. But I know that we could like have a whole weekly webcast podcast just on that. But based on your experience and the families you're serving, what do you think are some steps that families can take? And then, of course, we're going to have you get into the uh, mistakes. Okay. Yeah. So I think for most people, it's just understanding college planning is a process that is going to take some time and effort and you're going to need to work at it and take some time for it. So I always tell people it's start earlier than you think you need to. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing is um, you want to be able to start where you have enough time to, to do it well. And then we would divide that into what I would call early stage college planning and late stage college planning. So early stage is, you know, hey, we're pregnant, we've got a two-year-old, all the way up to middle school where college is coming, but you don't really have much detail because it's too young to know what your student's going to be when they grow up and that kind of stuff. Somewhere in the middle of high school, you switch over to what I would call late stage college planning. Now it's, you got to do all the hard work. So you're trying to figure out what colleges you want to visit and ultimately attend and how do you apply and how does financial aid work? And we may have saved a big pile of money, but we want to use it efficiently, or we may have saved nothing at all. And now we're stuck in, you know, trying to figure out how to make up for that. And there's a lot more to the process. And that's kind of where I specialize. I work with a lot of sophomores, juniors, seniors, 
trying to figure it all out. And you are so valuable to families. I know it. It is overwhelming. And I love what you said about start earlier than you think you need to. I mean, I opened a 529 plan for my youngest kid right when I got her social security uh, number. Um, you know, daycare here, child care here in, as we call it, the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia, is actually some of the most expensive in the nation. Uh, even without inflation, I paid more for preschool than I did college tuition. So um, I love what you said about having a family start early. What are some of the things people can do uh, to start right. early? Yeah. So again, if we're talking about early stage, it is just understanding your family budget and maybe you start saving for college. Maybe you don't. But I think at the early stages, it really is you know, deciding how much you're going to set aside for various things in the big picture, right? Because that may affect what you do with the rest of your money, so to speak. So if you know you want to pay a lot of money for college, if it's important to you, well, then you're, you know, just by definition, you're going to spend less on housing and less on vacations and less on other things so that you can spend a lot of money on college if that's your goal. A lot of people say they want to spend their money on college. They think it's important. But when you actually look at their finances, you know, talk is cheap, so to speak. They say that, but they don't actually set themselves up to be able to do that. Because I, you know, I run into a lot of families that are, you know, looking at college, they've got a junior or senior and they're saying, oh my God, how are we going to be able to pay for this? And I'm, you know, and it might be, well, we need this additional thousand a month or 2000 a month to make it all come together. And they're like, well, we don't have that. And a lot of times it, it doesn't matter how much you earn, but if you've learned how to spend it all, coming up with that extra thousand or 2000 when college is here is really hard. Whereas if you've always had, you know, room in your budget for college and other things, and it, it makes it a lot easier. And then once you actually get there, then, you know, you really just want to start early means things like understanding, will I qualify for need-based aid and merit aid? There's, there's a batch of projects that you do when you get into college planning. Some the student is kind of in charge of and it's their, you know, it's their decisions and that kind of thing. So students generally are going to write the essays. They're going to decide what they want to be when they grow up and pick a major and all that kind of stuff. Parents are going to work on finances. You know, are we going to qualify for need-based aid? Or how much are we willing to help? If you've got multiple kids. How are we going to be fair? Um, how much do the parents feel college is their own responsibility? And then how are they going to cover whatever that responsibility is? And then there's the group of things you do together, college visits and deciding if you're going to take the tests and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that parents aren't involved in the stuff that the student's in charge of. They may have to you know, work with the student and make sure they stay on track. But again, ideally, they're not writing the essays and they're not choosing a career for their student. You know, Hopefully the student is doing that, that piece. But it is a, a big family project and it's not something that happens, you know, one Sunday afternoon. It's a lot of, you know, ongoing planning. And that's another important piece of it too, is it, it's, uh, it's a process that you kind of work through. You know, you do a few college visits and you realize I like this type of school or that type of school. Let's look at more like that. And then you say, oh, but they're expensive. How do we deal with that? Or, you know, I, my state schools aren't very good. I need to go out of state or whatever the case may be. And you don't know what you don't know until you get in there and start working at it. And I think that's the biggest challenge. And then of course, there's a lot of professionals advisors out there now. That's another thing that a lot of parents don't realize. Both that can help your student, you know, there's essay writing experts, there's 
people that'll help your student figure out what they want to be when they grow up based on their interests and that type of thing. And there's family, you know, advisors that help students pick colleges and do the whole application process. And then there's people like myself who work primarily with parents on the financial side. So I don't tend to work much with students. I work with the parents and all the parent side of it. And if the student needs help, that's fine. It's just, I'm not the guy to help try and figure out your essay or something like that. That's not my strong suit. And for a lot of families, you're going to need to find someone that has some expertise. I mean, if you use an analogy, let's say your student wanted to play the piano. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you could deal with that, right? If you don't know how to play the piano yourself, well, you could go take lessons and learn how to play the piano and then teach your student. Now, most of us would never do that. We would just say, well, let's find someone that teaches piano and have that person help. Or maybe we can get lessons online or, I mean, there's different ways to go about it, but it's kind of the same thing around college. Is this something I should be doing myself? Is this something I can outsource? Do I have a more complicated situation where it's going to be more challenging? So like business owners, you know, they have more complex financial life, but they also have opportunities to use, you know, hire the student in the business or do other things to use business to help pay for college, set up a tuition reimbursement plan. And there's things that you can do like there. If your student's interested in athletics, it gets more complicated. If, you know, if you've got divorce or blended families, that gets a little more complicated. So there's a lot of different pieces that make it more complicated. And again, you're going to have to figure it out one way or the other. And the way we used to do it, of course, 20 and 30 years ago is we just did the best we could and we stumbled through it. But now that college is getting so much more expensive, it's, you know, there's a lot more to lose, so to speak. If you do, if you can do it well versus do it poorly, it can make a bigger difference in your life. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's just like yesterday, I think one of the worst things that could happen to a student and a family is someone attend college but not graduate. They don't have the benefit of seeing that bump in income, yet they're stuck with paying for something they didn't complete. So um, the stakes are much higher. And I really like what you're saying. It's not just to help people save, but how to pay. So tax credits, because this is about highlighting the amazing work you're doing. Describe how you work with the families, like parents come in. Um, I know it's a process. Obviously, you want people to come sooner as later. Later, um, what is ideal sweet spot for someone to work with Brad and his team? I would say, you know, sophomore year would be ideal. The reality is, it's a lot of juniors and a few seniors. But there's a big difference when someone comes as a senior. It's more damage control. Of we've got limited time. What's the most dire emergency problem, and we'll solve those. And if we have time, we'll do some of the other things but we're kind of fighting fires and, and scrambling versus if you have a junior or a sophomore, then you can do things, you know, in the right order and make sure you do, do more and do it well. As an example, you know, some families will apply to a lot of scholarships, but in order to apply to a lot of scholarships, you're going to need the time to do scholarship applications. And that might be, you know, if you did 20 or 30 scholarships and I had, I had one family that they did 40 scholarship applications. They won seven for $39,000. But to do 40 scholarships is not one Sunday afternoon. It was many Sunday afternoons. It was a very large side project for both the student and the parents. You know, the student hopefully did the student part, right? He wrote the essays and 
put his resume together, but the parents also helped find the scholarships and then get organized where, you know, send three copies of this here and do this and all the deadlines and timelines and making sure everything got to the right places at the right time that, you know, they helped. And I've heard other scholarship winners talk about how their parents just giving moral support was huge where it wasn't just, you know, the idea of scholarships. Some parents are like, well, I just told them they have to go get scholarships. Well, if that's all you did, you know, that's probably not going to be successful because again, most students have no idea. Most parents have no idea. And most students either. How do you get a scholarship? Where do you go? You know, once you find it, how do you apply for it? What, what does it look, what does a winning scholarship essay look like, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not that they say, well, I'm just not going to do it. It's they spin their wheels on a couple Sunday afternoons, and then they get busy with all their AP classes and prom and all the other stuff that's and next thing you know, a year or two has gone by and they never quite got it done. So that's the reality with scholarships. Now, I do have on my website at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com, there's the scholarship guide for busy parents. And that is a great resource. It's four videos. It's not real long. I think each one's about 10, 12 minutes. And you can kind of learn the basics about the types of, types of scholarships. And then from there, you can decide, well, these are the ones we're going to pursue and we're going to ignore those. And put a plan together so that you actually have a shot because there's, you know, there's scholarships from the colleges themselves that most people should be looking at, but there's also, you know, the Bill Gates scholarships or the Coca-Cola scholarship where if you're qualified, you should be pursuing them. But if you're not, you probably should focus your efforts elsewhere and understanding the difference between the various scholarships is the first step. Thank you for that. I think that's huge. A lot of times when people think about scholarships, of course, they're thinking about athletic, they're thinking about merit, they're thinking about financial, but there's also lots uh, interest-based and also from foundations. You know, that's um, my experience, my kids' supply chain and bioengineering, small scholarships. They're not big, but they really add up over time. 3,000 here, 5,000 there. Uh, kudos to the family you were working with, Brad. 40 applications, they won seven. Yep. Exactly. Now, and again, that's the great story I can tell you, but I've worked with hundreds of families and, you know, they're, they're the one that stands out. So most families do much less. And that's the reality, right? Is understanding when you should work at it and when you shouldn't. And, but I've had many families win one or two or three scholarships. You know, there's a scholarship where mom and dad work. That's maybe a slam dunk where just about anybody with, that applies wins. And maybe there's a scholarship from the colleges where all you have to do is fill out, you know, fill out some extra paperwork and you're likely to win the scholarship. Some colleges, you don't have to do anything. You just by applying, you're automatically considered for the scholarship and you may win it without doing anything extra. So just really understanding, you know, again, the ones that are quote unquote easy, you should certainly pursue and then decide if you want to spend time on the more difficult ones. Sometimes it just makes sense to have your student, you know, work at McDonald's or wherever make 12 or $15 an hour for sure, instead of them trying to, you know, chase scholarships where maybe it's not a good fit for your situation. Applying to 20 scholarships and getting zero is not, not anybody's goal, of course. No, of course not. So as we wind down, I know you mentioned your videos. This would be a wonderful time for you to share your website, YouTube channel, where people can learn more about you and uh, the services you offer. So feel free to share your website and social media handles here. Okay. Yeah. So primarily it's all at my website. So it's tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. And we've got 
a podcast there. And of course, we also, well, the podcast is also available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Also called Taming the High Cost of College.com, where we talk, you know, all things college. There's about 140 episodes now. Um, so there's a lot of great information there. We talk to, you know, other advisors and uh, experts on, you know, choosing majors and all kinds of things. And then on the website itself, we've got the scholarship guide for busy parents. We've got the cost of colleges by state where you can look up some numbers and get a feel for what a budget might look like and how much you might need to save and a lot number of other free resources and newsletter and blog. And like I said, lots of free resources that families can uh, pursue. Well, thank you so much, Brad. Now hope back to you. Thank you. Wow. Such great information, Brad. You have got this covered. (laughs) I think that everyone will be looking at your website now. So thank you so much. Brad Baldridge, and of course, the amazing Margarita Chang. This is Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, and we look forward to bringing next week's episode to you. So we'll see you soon. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you so much for being part of our Incandescent Radio and TV family. This is Hope Katz-Gibbs, founder of Incandescent Incorporated, the PR and publishing company for women entrepreneurs. Our incandescent radio and TV shows are brought to you by our advertisers and clients. Margaritas with Margarita Chang, CFP Pro, brings us 15 minutes of tips every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, where you'll meet experts who are helping us flex our financial muscles. Find all of the episodes at margaritachang.com. You'll also meet intuitive psychotherapist Kara Keem, who interviews therapists and other intuitive guides from around the world. Learn more at karakeen.com. And you're going to love social justice expert Karen Hanrahan, CEO of the San Francisco-based Glide Memorial Foundation. She bridges the gap from local impact to global change on her thought leadership show on Incandescent Radio. Learn more about Karen at karenhanrahan.com. You're also going to love Alina Liao, founder of the radical wellness journaling company, zenitjournals.com. Alina asks, have you tried to journal but found it hard to keep up? Zenit makes it easier to journal for your wellness. With Zenit, you can customize your journal with prompts that speak to you. No more blank pages. Your Zenit is your personalized space to take care of yourself. Website, zenitjournals.com. Feel it, write it, Zenit. You'll also meet amazing Tracy Schott, founder of voicesforchange.com. Tracy is determined to change the world and end domestic violence. Learn more at voicesforchange.net. And we are so thrilled to be publishing a book for Angela Mitchell, who is the tech expert of case management. And she's also the founder of this fabulous organization, Kids Code 2. She is determined to teach kids to code computers. Talk about teaching a kid to fish. We invite you to discover and peruse all the Incandescent Incorporated websites, the magazine for women, by women, about women, incandescentwomen.com. Our health and wellness magazine is beincandescent.com, the business of mind, body, spirit, soul, and heart. Our YouTube channel is incandescent.tv. And you can learn about our PR and book publishing services at incandescent.us. If you'd like to have your own radio and video show, check us out at incandescentradio.com, where you can see what we can do for you. These podcasts are also featured on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Our podcasts are produced by Brandy Wilsker. Our videos are produced by Nelson Benavides. Our website developer is Max Kukoy, 
and our incandescent illustrator and designer is Michael Glenwood Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more, please send me an email, hope at hopegibbs.com. Here is to your incredible, indelible incandescent success. Much love and many thanks.